Welcome to Kingdom.Think, where we are reading the Bible in one year. And in the Old Testament, we're starting a new book called Ezra. So it's Ezra 1 and 2, and then we are still in Hebrews. So we're in Hebrews chapter 4. Remember, Hebrews is sophisticated. So, in my opinion. So you want to uh, have your thinking cap on when you read Ezra. Otherwise, if you read it like, like a beautiful little story, like if you're reading the book of John, everything is just so lovely... You might go, wait, what did I just read? I don't get it. And then you miss the whole point. So, and what's also cool about Hebrews is because it makes reference to so much of the Old Testament, which you often find in the New Testament, um, but because you know things of the Old Testament, it's easy to understand. So basically chapter four isn't a very long chapter and it's talking about the importance of rest and how God rests on the seventh day and how important it is for us to rest from our physical work, but also that's here on earth and how important that is, but also to rest your spirit into eternity. And that's why Jesus came onto the scene so that we could rest for eternity. And when you read it, let me just give you an example. So when you read um, verse four, verse four, Verse 1, therefore, since the promise of entering the rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the, the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now who have believed... <laughs> now who... Now we who believed enter, enter that rest, just as God said. So I declared an oath. I declared on oath in my anger that they shall never enter my rest. So it's like, wait, who's they? Why are we, how did we switch? What? That's what I mean about Hebrews being sophisticated. But because you know the Old Testament, you can kind of, and then when you progress further, you kind of get the clues. Oh, he's talking about the Israelites, Israelites when they left Egypt. Exactly. Because he made a promise because they didn't follow his direction and they started worshiping pagan gods, etc. You remember the story. They weren't allowed to enter into the promised land, which was the place of rest. So he's making that correlation between the Israelites going into the promised land as well as eternity. Um, and then it makes reference, um, on the seventh day, God rested from all his works. That's verse four. And again, in the passage above, they say they shall never enter my rest. Again, he's referring to the Israelites, um, moving down, moving down. Yeah, you're going to have to really be read line by line to, to fully understand, but Often what people do is they don't, they pull out the key verse. So I'm going to show you the key verse. And, and someone would use that in a, um, in a message, that kind of thing. But it's cool to read the whole thing and get context of where that key verse came from. So here we go. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rest from the, their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter the rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. 
So that's the key verse that could certainly be used for a passage, right? For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So that's the key piece to this whole chapter, right? I love that, um, that the word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joins, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So um, God sees the heart. Remember, it's always the heart. And that determines your rest because the people of Israel or the Israelites who left Egypt, their heart got hardened and they couldn't enter into God's rest. So yes, it's an old story, but how does it apply to your current life? God rescued them from their old life in Egypt. They had to go through some trials. They had to be refined as they went through the desert and many of them hardened their heart. They didn't resist weaknesses, temptations, that kind of thing. And their heart was hardened and they couldn't, there are consequences. So when we choose things, there are consequences. And because of it, as much as God loved them, because they didn't repent, because they, their heart was hardened, they couldn't enter into God's rest, which was the promised land. So I'm gonna, I imagine you could see the correlation in your own life and how that can, how that can actually apply to our current day right? Um, Ezra 1 and 2. So who is Ezra? Ezra. That's a great question. Who wrote the book of Ezra? Obviously, they assume Ezra wrote it. Um, Okay, actually, I don't know. Is he a priest? Is he a good guy, a politician? Not sure yet. Hmm. Okay, so chapter 1 talks about Cyrus, how he let the people Now, God used Cyrus, who was literally a pagan king. So God was not his God. Our God was not his God. But yet God used him and spoke maybe in a dream. We don't know. Why was Cyrus so willing to let them free? Oh, wait a minute. Maybe it's going to tell us later. I'm trying to remember. Anyways. God used Cyrus to let the people free and let them go back to their homeland of uh, Jerusalem. And some people, and he let them take their silver and gold and things that were stolen as well. Isn't that so cool? Um, and he said, go back, go back to your hometown and your homeland and build a temp- your temple to your God. Could have been political reasons why he did it. Could have been religious reasons. He wanted all the gods to be on his side. Or it could have been simply because God gave him a dream or God gave him a message. Either way, Cyrus let the people free. Then it, um, it, on chapter two, it gave a list of all the people who went back and the numbers. The numbers are so specific that you wonder, did they really count? Well, the numbers are very specific. Um, Then they went back to their homeland. Did you know some people stayed? Because it had been like, I don't know, 40 to 60-something years, somewhere in that range, 
or like 48 to 67, somewhere in that range where they were, where they were captive in Babylon. Why didn't they go back? Because some of them had never seen the old land. They didn't even know what they were going back to. So they stayed in Persia where they were familiar and Babylon. I'm sorry. They stayed in Babylon where they were familiar with the culture. Some people stayed and, um, that's so interesting, but it makes sense. They didn't know anything else. And why would they want to go back to a war-stricken land to rebuild a temple that they didn't even grow up knowing? Mm-hmm. So, yep, 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 yep. So we're just getting into the book of Ezra, and that kind of lays the, the storyline, the foundation. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. No, it's pretty much listing that. And I'm sure it's going to jump into it very soon on uh, chapter three. But that was Ezra one and two in Hebrews four. Hope you enjoyed that and have a great day. See you tomorrow.